Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with class of 2013's Carla Danik, nursing supervisor at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center in Buffalo, New York. Carla will share with us how her path in medicine began with nursing tales of fascination from her mom at dinner and how it led her to Loyola and ultimately forged her expertise in nursing in the transplant departments and ICUs of some of Chicago's most impressive hospitals. Joining us today from the class of 2013 is Carla Danig. Carla, what do you do? Hi, I am, I'm a licensed nurse practitioner, but I'm currently working as a nurse supervisor and an infusion nurse right now. So, Carla, if we can maybe rewind it back a little bit, when did you become interested in medicine as a future field of study? Honestly, it would be definitely when I was in high school. My mom is a nurse, so growing up, I would always just hear the craziest, wildest stories from her, Um, and it definitely became evident that I was way more into medicine than my siblings were because while they were like low-key just not wanting to hear it and almost about to wanting to barf during the dinner table at the dinner table. Like I was just like, tell me more. Yeah. I kind of just really, my mom really pushed me into um, getting into nursing. And so I kind of just really knew it, you know, especially it, it was re it was very much evident that I wanted to know it, know more about it and get into it when I took my anatomy class in um, high school. So that's usually that would probably be like a a, a filter class, especially after, let's say, the cadaver lab. Uh, What was it? How did you know that what really kind of set the hook for you in anatomy? Honestly, I mean, I forgot who was Dr. Murphy. I don't know if he's still there. I think he retired Um, retired maybe uh, two, three years ago. Yeah. Oh, did he? He was just he honestly, he just made it so exciting. And, you know, I, I had it was like a bunch of us that like that just really enjoyed it. I had lots of good friends in that class. And I I don't know. I just I loved learning about the human body and how everything worked like that was my thing. And I think even at the cadaver lab and just seeing this whole, you know, side of medicine, like it was just I was like, OK, this is it. Like I need to I need to figure out a way to get into medicine. I originally wanted to become a doctor. And then my mom said, haha, no, you should really try to be a nurse. So then <laughs> I was like, OK, so I kind of switched it around. But I you know what? I have no regrets. Like I definitely um, know that I chose the right path for myself. So you head off to Loyola in Chicago. Tell me about mm-hmm. your experience at Loyola. Yeah, um, it was great. Honestly, um, 
I actually lived in, um, I lived like a little off campus with my sister because she was going to DePaul at the time. So um, it just kind of made more sense to kind of commute, but it was good um, just going, kind of being on our own and um, actually, you know, being an adult and having to keep tabs on myself. And it it was interesting. It was, it was hard. Nursing school is not easy, friends. Um, it is so hard, especially at Loyola. They make it impossible. Um, but it was such a great experience. And I, I've always loved the city. And I, I was so happy that I was able to live in Chicago at the time um, during all of this. So tell me about like your first uh, maybe uh, introduction to the nursing program there. You said it was yeah. challenging. Um, how, do, how do you kind of level up as you ascend in the program? What the thing, the great thing about Loyola was that um, it was a straight shot into nursing school. So a lot of other schools like UIC, um, I think what else UIC, uh, DePaul, like you have to take pre-nursing classes and then your sophomore year, you have to take, I think like an exam and then, and then you have to, and that determines if you're, if you get accepted into their nursing program. So Loyola, that was nice because it's kind of like once you're accepted into the nursing program freshman year, like you're kind of safe at that point and you just have to maintain your grades. But yeah, it was definitely challenging um, in the beginning because I was the poor unlucky souls that had 8 a.m. classes. And yeah. And so can you imagine like 8 a.m. chem classes and then bio classes right after? Mm -hmm. So that was definitely challenging. Um, And then especially because I was just, you know, I was I was finally living on my own and, you know, you kind of get this sense of freedom. You're like, oh, I can I can do anything. So I definitely had to change my mindset in that way. And um, kind of, you know, figure it out in that way. But um, it was it, yeah, just those basic classes were definitely a struggle in the beginning, just adjust, just adjusting to everything. And <laughs> I, th- I, I think you touched on something that's really interesting there, which is like that. The, the balancing the freedom and fun with mm-hmm. really having to, you know, clamp down and kind of get everything done. How, how did you, what was your best kind of uh, like maybe advice for like uh, how you were able to kind of find that balance and get that discipline to be successful? Honestly, I would say finding study buddies that were driven um, and, you know, cared about school and everything. And I was fortunate enough to find some of my best friends um, in those early classes. Um, I even remember like one of my first first classes and in walking into bio and um, my friend that I am friends with till this to this day, she was she's has never been ever been shy and just asked, you know, she was like, hey, like, what's your name? And and we became best buds and just would always study. And we would both we had a similarity that we would both commute and yeah, just finding your niche of people, honestly, and figure out like, you know, coordinating times on like when to study together. I think that's what was so key for me is like I wanted to be part of, you know, have a group of people um, that I really related to. Um, so that really helped. And then also um, just kind of also waking up early to have your study sessions like earlier than your 8 a.m. classes, right? Like that was my big thing. So I ended up becoming such an early bird and um, studying so much earlier than I had to. Wow. That is, that is impressive. (laughs) 
yeah. that is that's, that's always waking up early has always been my kryptonite. So I, I, yeah. I hats off to you to be able to conquer uh, that. That's amazing. So when you were when you were at Loyola, like was there like was there a particular field within medicine during your nursing like because I would imagine you have things that you would do that would be let's say different therapies or different parts of the body emergency versus neurological like and all these kind of different uh I think you use the word niche kind of study or uh, disciplines within that did you find one that you were more kind of drawn to initially honestly no I was just and it was, you know, and that I think that was another frustrating part because like everybody knew what they wanted to do, right? Everybody was like, oh, I want to go into peds or or women's health. And I'm like, you know, all I all I ever really knew was whatever my mom told me. And my mom, she comes from a background of so much, like she's been in endoscopy, GI, she's done like intensive care and all this stuff. And like it was it and that was challenging because you know, she would always say, No, you're gonna do this, this, and this. And so it was hard in that way because I didn't really, I was like, okay, am I just wanting, am I just saying I want to be in intensive care just because my mom told me? So that was challenging in that regard and, and not really knowing what I wanted. Um, but you know, and, and at the time I look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I told myself like, it's okay. Like you'll figure it out. But near the end of my nursing school, so like senior year, I very much got interested in um, nursing aesthetics. And at the time it was very, and even now it's very, very new, but I've realized that that's definitely my end goal. Um, So it's a lot of like injections, neuromodulators, Botox fillers, that type of thing, but doing it all, my whole part was I want to do it in a way that it's very natural. So um, for me, I started looking at, um, different injectors and everywhere, um, that I, you know, on social media and stuff. And, um, I kind of, my, my passion for that kind of just grew even more, but I knew that I wanted to get set my foundation first in the hospital before I move on to that, um, into that whole specialty. So it's kind of speaking about foundation and all that, when in your, in the program, do you really start kind of working with patients and it's kind of like a, uh, like training wheels, right? Where it's like, okay, so yeah. now you're going to with them and then you'll, you'll get a little bit more each time. What's that progression like in the, in, in nursing uh, and learning in, in nursing? Yeah. So we, if you're like in a four year nursing program, like I was, then it would be like your third year. That's when you would start your clinical rotations. Um, so I started them at, um, your, and we have like affiliations with a lot of local hospitals in the city. So I was able to, um, have my clinicals at some really great hospitals like Northwestern. That's where I had my OB clinicals and I was able to see a C-section and everything. And then I was able to, um, go to Loyola on their transplant unit. Um, and so it was nice because you kind of got to, go to all these different hospitals, learn so much from them, and even, um, you know, make those connections for once you are done with school and um, are ready for looking for a job. So you you finish up at Loyola. Um, how What was your first uh, job application and what was that process like? Yeah, I definitely um, sent out, like, I don't even know, a ridiculous amount, probably like 30 nursing applications, like even to the, even to the jobs where I knew it was asking for like years of experience. I was just like, like 
screw it. I'm just going to apply just to see. And um, I, yeah, so I ended up applying to Loyola on their transplant unit um, because I had a connection with them. I did my last, um, like my last like capstone um, clinical rotation with them. And so I kept in touch with the manager and I was able to um, get a job right off the bat. What's, what's that like with a, a, a transplant unit? So the transplant unit that I was at, it was um, primarily kidney liver transplants. So we often get like post-op kidneys and livers, um, not fresh, but, you know, like after they've been in intensive care and then they come to us. So we we're kind of like the step down unit of it. And um, and then oftentimes we would get those patients that would um, come in and we would have to prep them for surgery and then they would go out to surgery for their transplants. Um, it was definitely at Loyola. It was it was a great learning experience, to say the least. Um, and you know, I say that because it was, there was so much going on and I was oftentimes the, all the new grad nurses are on night shift together. So it's kind of like the blind leading the blind, which is terrible, but you know, it definitely pushed me. I was, they like made me do charge nurse and everything and be part of all these committees and stuff like right off the bat. And it pushed me to become a better nurse. And like I said, like set that foundation for me in terms of time management, um, all the experiences that I've, you know, had throughout that. And also just dealing with those types of patients. I definitely um, got in, you know, I got, I really got comfortable and um, I really just, what's the word? Like I became an expert in that field real soon because of just of how challenging everything was. That's interesting. The other thing I, I I've never thought to ask uh, a question like this, which is it how how do you acclimate your body to late shifts like that? Yeah. My my dad was a police officer for years, and he would also oh, yeah. uh, he would have these night shifts. And I, I I like is it easy to ever get? Do you ever get used to it, or what's that like? Honestly, there I have coworkers that have been doing that for like 30 plus years. And I'm like, how in the heck do you guys do that? I, like, I struggled. I was on night shift for three years and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I, I got to tap out. But um, it's just you're a zombie. You're just like you the night differential. Yeah, it's great. But like, it's not worth the sanity. Like it's that's for me personally. I know, like I said, a lot of people enjoy it, but um, I would always like try to clump up my days. So it's usually like three 12 hour shifts. I'm the type that like likes to just like get it over with and then have like six, seven days off afterwards. So that's what I would do to kind of try to reset. And then, um, but other people, they can just like, I have friends that do rotating shifts where they're like, for six weeks, they're on nights and then six weeks, they're on days and so on and so on. And so um, those they're a special type of breed. They are. Yeah, but sure. yeah, yeah. Just for clarification, is it a shift typically? Is it 12 hours? What's the what is the uh, time frame for that? Yeah, usually um, most places are 12 hours um, here in New York. I did not realize it was 13 and a half. Oof. So I'm just <laughs> yeah, but no, we're getting through it. We're good. <laughs> so you you start off at Loyola and then then you uh went over to University of Chicago. What was yeah. uh what was waiting for you there? What what uh, drew you to that next hospital? 
Um, what drew me there was the tuition reimbursement, honestly. Nice. Um, I knew I wanted to go back to school, but I knew I did not want to pay for it. So mm. um, yeah, University of Chicago at that time, I mean, they still do, but there's a little bit of changes with since the union contract, but they are unionized, which is a very big help. Um, and then also um, there was just, uh, they paid full tuition reimbursement for a master's program, 75% if you're a DNP and, um, there was no strings attached. And I was like, this couldn't sound any better. So, wow, that's um, yeah, so I switched over. I, you know, I transitioned over to the transplant unit at university of Chicago. Um, and I was there for probably about, I would say like two ish years. And then I realized like, this is great, but I kind of want more. And it was so funny because it was, you know, I told my mom and my mom was like, see, I told you you wanted more. I told you you should go into IZ. And I was like, oh God, but she was right in the end. And, you know, I kind of, I wanted to grow more. I, I felt like I was kind of at a standstill. So I ended up going on um, their multi-specialty intensive care, which was primarily neuro and medical ICU. Um, so, yeah. What what was the kind of then, so if you were, became very intuitive and kind of an expert where it, you were on the transplant unit, what was mm -hmm. the learning curve when you went to that next one, especially neuro? I would imagine that is how, how much different is the, the, the type of things that you have to learn to accommodate uh, at that next uh, position? It was definitely a struggle at first, but especially because, you know, transplant, you only have to do full neuro assessments if you're actually on a neuro floor. So like, you know, on, on transplant, we're like, oh, okay. Do you know where you are? And how old are you? Like that type of thing where yeah. neuro is like, you know, squeeze my hands, press on the gas pedal, like all those different things. So that was definitely hard to get used to of having to do like hourly neuro checks on these patients because they're such at a high risk of, you know, mental status changes, um, especially at the University of Chicago where we get like we are the level one trauma center in um, the south side of Chicago. So we get so like the worst of the worst and um, just being on top of my game there. And then also um, I think a big thing for me I and my preceptor at the time, she always I'm su such good friends with her now. But it was so funny because I was always just so scared because there's like those hard, hefty drugs that you have to be working with, like blood pressure drips. Um paralytics um like especially the paralytics when when you have to intubate a patient and uh I was so scared of pushing it I was like I don't know like oh, I, oh, sure. I would yeah. oh my god I would I would triple check with my priest after and she was like Carla it's fine and I would be so scared to do it and so I think just getting over my fear of those you know of those you know obstacles and everything and um, that was a big thing. Um, otherwise, though, like I said, like I'm very happy with the path that I took because, you know, especially um, working on like a transplant unit and like a med surge, it was kind of transplant slash like med surge. Like you very, you have the time to, um, you have the time to hone in on your skills and hone and especially get your time management on track. Um, so that was a big thing. You said you have to be on top of your game and you have to be able to kind of separate 
what I feel versus what is action. And you, you were kind of talking about that was just like, just press the button and you'll, everything will yeah. be fine. I was wondering like how you see the, uh, the critical thinking uh, in, in that, that triage uh, metaphor. How, how, like, how do you, how could you let like someone who's not in the medical field kind of understand like how critical thinking kind of gets you through these, these really important decisions? You know what? It's just honestly practice, practice, practice. Like in the beginning, I was so like I was terrible at it. I it was so hard, especially like especially during COVID with, um, you know, setting your emotions aside and being like, OK, what do I have to do? And like being in the ICU where you have to act fast. Um, it was just like it kind of just became like second nature to you. But you it comes with so much practice. Some people, you know, some people get it right away, others don't. And um, you kind of just have to um, do your own. You also have to like do your own studying aside from, you know, working. Like I remember I would like, I because I would get so comfortable with transplant, I wouldn't study after I got home from work. Like I wouldn't do that. I would, you know, but in the ICU, I would, especially when I was new to the ICU afterwards, after a shift, I would always like go back to my books and be, and I would keep a track to during my shift, like things that I didn't know about, I would do my own research about it when I got home. So then that way I can kind of for future when I do like, you know, encounter, encounter this, a similar experience or situation, I'll be able to anticipate what the doctor wants and what is right of doing. And so I, you know, that took time. And then also just, um, speaking up too. Um, it's always hard when you have doctors that, um, kind of belittle you and talk down to you, but, you know, at the end of the day, the nurses are there 24 seven and the doctors, you know, do their rounding, whatever. But, um, it's very important to just, you know, speak up, advocate for your patient, advocate for the family members and, um, I think especially working in the South side of Chicago, dealing with a lot of crazy family dynamics and mm. smart doctors, you kind of like get that backbone that you need to be like, no, like this is not right. This is how it is. And I think, yeah, like that definitely that that was that was huge for me. What did you study when you were able to go back and get uh, more schooling, get your master's? Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I knew that I want to go into like nursing aesthetics, medical aesthetics, but, um, so I did a lot of research prior to picking out programs. And at first I was like, you know, you know, what exactly would be best for me to go in here, but because it's such a new specialty in nursing, there wasn't really like, like, an, like nurses can just be injectors, you know, if they work underneath a uh, provider or something. But I, I knew I wanted to have my own autonomy. So um, I've noticed that a lot of family nurse practitioners went into that field. So that's kind of helped, um, kind of helped steer me in the right direction. So I ended up doing my master's in family nurse practitioner. So you finish up with that and mm -hmm. then you you see this new opportunity in, in Buffalo. Uh, what brought you there? Yeah. So I had been, um, I'd been dating with my dating, my boyfriend for about three years and he's actually from Buffalo. So, um, when we first, uh, or probably like in our second year of dating, we were, he was already kind of, um, renovating the house that he's in now. So 
um, he kind of was nice enough to be like, hey, like, what are your ideas on the renovations? So um, we kind of just, yeah. And I was like, you know, as as he should, because I did help him gut out this entire home. So, um, so yeah. So anyways, we ended up renovating um, our now home and um, it was already done. I was done with school. So it just seemed like the perfect time to move to Buffalo. Um, so I moved here just honestly in January. Um, so I'm still pretty new. I'm a new Buffalonian, I guess what you can call it <laughs> now. Um, so yeah, and then I ended up uh uh, you know, I I I wanted to make sure I had jobs lined up beforehand. And I knew that after COVID and everything, I was like, you know what, I'm good. Like I've had enough bedside experience. I don't wanna, I don't wanna go back um to bedside. So then I found a um infusion nurse um position and it's basically it's like an integrative um it's at an integrative and wellness clinic um and it's really great the doctor that runs it is awesome um so i do that part time and then i'm also um at a cancer um at a cancer institute um right by us it's called roswell park um and i'm a nursing supervisor there so i kind of work more so with like the supervising type of aspect of it where i like figure out um, I work with the doctors in terms of like scheduling for um, operations and stuff, uh, figuring out what beds are available at that time, managing discharges, admissions, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. How do you how do you balance uh, the time between uh, both of those? I mean, I imagine both of them are probably demanding to some extent. Yeah, um, you know, I have some great you know, both my managers are awesome and they work with me um, very well. So granted, I, you know, only have like a day or two off every week, but it's totally like I, I'm kind of at the point where like, you know, I got to do what I got to do and I don't have school anymore. That's holding me down. So I can, I have all the time in the world. I'm happy with doing it. And I, and it's nice because um I learned so much from both entities. And so, um yeah, it's been, it's, it's been honestly like not even difficult to um, like motion, like it hasn't even been like emotionally or mentally draining at all for me. You have so many different wins as, as a nurse where you are able to, you know, give people the proper care and all that, but it doesn't mean that you're also not seeing people uh, arguably on their worst day. What's the type of way in which you kind of seek out the type of like self-care that you need to kind of make sure that your head's right when you are dealing with some really emotional and, and trying days, what's the best kind of thing that you sought out that kind of helped kind of bring you back to the level? Yeah, honestly, I just, for me personally, I just always make it um, a thing for me to just wake up early and kind of take that time for myself, whether it be working out, meditation, like anything. And I even, you know, I, I tried to do, do like the whole, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but like, honestly, the whole gratitude thing and listing mm. out your list of gratitudes and just realizing like, okay, you have so many opportunities. You're, like you really are at a great place and just remi- I'm reminding myself of that you know and again like working out was a huge thing for me I always like I I need to do it in the morning or else then I'm never going to do it and so just taking that time for myself is huge um, and then also just spending time with my 
loved ones is such a big thing. Like I'm so close with my family and, and, you know, and my boyfriend's family. So, you know, it's just, it's such a, I think just taking that time, making sure you um, carve out that time for yourself, um, you know, every once in a while or once a week or something that really makes such a big difference for me and like keeping my emotions in check. You had mentioned before that you you continue like to study like when you were in the ICU and and uh, and uh, I was wondering what are the types of things that you do also like that help you kind of professionally stay sharp uh, even to this day. Yeah, um, I really enjoy going to conferences, especially the you know we always have conferences at the hospital and then. Um, at the clinic, the um, the doctor that runs it, he's just a freaking genius. Like, yeah. and, like he comes and like he always like goes on like these like weekend long like stints where he's like at a conference and then he brings back a new toy. Like that's what his his wife is also one of the managers at the clinic, and she's like, "Yep, he brought another new toy here." And so just like learning from him. And um, he also does a little bit of Botox on like on some of his patients. He very much um, he's on a cancer kick right now. So he's bringing in all these different like alternative cancer treatments, which is really pretty cool. Um, And so learning from him and like sitting in on like the stuff that he does, especially like when he does Botox, I'm always like, hey, like, can I just like hop in real quick? And you know, just observe. So doing that, taking that initiative and then also, um, yeah, attending conferences, especially because I don't have much experience in um, aesthetics, um, especially because I haven't really gotten a chance to find a role that really fits me with that. So then me just taking initiative and going to trainings, like I'm going back to Chicago for a training with an injector um, for like two days um, and learning from her. And then we're going to Dallas for another um, injector training. So just taking that initiative, even though, you know, it's it's investing in the knowledge that you want to learn, you know, and um, that's like huge for me. I, I love that. It's just it's so cool. And I was wondering too, like, do you have, you've been studying this, you've been doing this for quite some time. Have there been any kind of you said you're, uh, the doctor that you work with always comes back with these really cool inventions and toys and all that. Yeah. Is there any like kind of technology that you see that you're really optimistic about that like this this could be a game changer because it seems like things are moving so quickly in science and medicine uh, is there anything that you've kind of you hear rumors about like hey this is this could be a game changer yeah um honestly the one thing that is huge for me that he actually um has and he's one of he's there's only two other places um or no He's one of two places that have this machine, but it's called Mirror Dry. And um, it's actually really cool. It's a machine where it basically it's for people that have issues with sweating. And, you know, I don't know if you've like heard of any other treatments, but like there are other treatments like where you can bo- use Botox to help like limit like the sweat glands in, in like the armpits. Uh-huh. And um, that only lasts for like a few like a few months or so and then you and then you have to go back for it but mirror dry is a great it's a machine where it basically um it's based off of like this energy level and it's like a little machine or it's a big machine that um uh, we often use on patients who have sweat issues and it just kills off those sweat glands in that area um and it's there's an 82 percent um 82% uh, success rate on it. And um, yeah, and it's just so crazy because 
they're like dermatologists don't talk about it as often, which is huge. And, um, you know, and they, and they usually offer like creams or oils and stuff, but, um, yeah, mirror dry, even though yes, it's an expensive treatment. It's very like, we have had so many patients that have come and been like, thank you so much. Like I have no issues with this. Like, and you know, and they, they, we never see them again because, and that's exactly what we want because we don't, you know, they don't have to come back because their problem is already resolved. So uh, like not many people know about this and it's unfortunate because it's such a great treatment. Uh, which kind of makes me think about the uh, next question. Like what, what exactly falls underneath aesthetic is aesthetics. Am I saying it right? Yeah. Okay. What? What? Um, so it sounds like that would be clearly one where someone would be suffering through uh, something that that would be so awkward and uncomfortable as yeah. what you just described. What are some other areas of medicine uh, that would kind of fall underneath that? Honestly, it's a lot of. It sounds it's it's so taboo before, right? It was like, mm-hmm. oh, if you do Botox, you look fake or whatever. But no, there's a lot of injectors that are out there that, you know, it's just, it's just a boost of self-confidence. If a person's, you know, uncomfortable with the way that they look, or they want a little bit more confidence, or um, they don't want to look so tired, there's like, like neuromodulators, fillers, um, laser treatments, like laser hair treatments that also falls into aesthetics. You know, these things are very helpful and injectors, there's lots of injectors out there that very much focus on facial balancing and um, which kind of means that, um, you know, they some, for instance, like somebody can come in, they're like, okay, I want, I want like my forehead done. I'm tired of the wrinkles and blah, blah, blah. But some people, a lot of people don't realize that, okay, if you get your forehead done, you have to make sure that you get, um, you know, if you, if you get like, if you get your forehead done, you have to make sure that you get this other part done just because it, the way that it will rest, it'll make it feel heavy and it'll look like you're too droopy. Like people don't realize that like- Oh yeah, do- for sure. Yeah, the balance, the symmetry of that, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And then, but you know, some people- they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But then others are like, you just want more, you just want my money, you know? And so, um, which I get, but you know, it's just at the same time, we are just trying, you know, to make them look their best and feel their best. Um, and I love it too, because there's a lot of injectors that work with, um, that even like work in affiliation with, um, mental health and like psych, psych, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and stuff, because sometimes patients will come in and there would be signs of body dysmorphia. So yeah. like, it's very important to, um, you know, distinguish those symptoms and signs and um, make sure that they get the help that they need um, if they need it. Um, so, you know, there's so many, it, it, there's so many things that fall under aesthetics, but yeah, th- those are neuromodulators, fillers, um, laser treatments, also just like estheticians, facials and things like chemical peels, um, those are kind of what fall under that. Where, where do you see yourself in five, uh, 10 years? What's the, what's the projection? Hopefully, um, my boyfriend and I, we've, like I said, we're doing our due diligence with everything. Hopefully, um, with all of our research and, you know, studying on our own and everything, we'll open up our own like med spa is what oh, it's wow. called. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. It's like, it's definitely, 
we're definitely trying like taking baby steps here, but especially because I'm a licensed uh, nurse practitioner, I have a lot of, and I have full practice authority here in New York In Chicago. I, I didn't. Um, so, um, I would be able to kind of run my own med spa without, you know, having to have a chief medical officer provider over me. So, um, a lot, a lot more autonomy. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We're kind of taking baby steps with it. We're toying with the idea, but that is the main, um, main goal at the end of it. Carl, this has been fantastic. I've learned a ton. This is so exciting to see like all, all these things that you were involved in and it's just, it's great. And I always like ending the interview with, uh, the guest to share tips for success with current wildcats. What would you advise? Um, I would say, honestly, just don't be scared to just go for it. Like, I learned that I I learned that, like, honestly, recently, and I would always be so scared of doing things because I was scared of what people thought, or I was scared because I would be fearful of them saying no. But honestly, just go for it. Like, why not? What do you have to lose? Like, you should just you should want to do all of the things that you've always ever wanted to do. And there should be no, yes, you'll get a lot of failures and no's and you'll run through a lot of obstacles. But if it's something that you really want to do, just freaking go for it. Like you, there, there's nothing to lose at all. And if, if it doesn't work out the way you want it to, there's always another door that opens up. So I think that would, that, that would also be like the advice I wish I knew before when I was in high school too. <laughs> it's so true. I love that. I love the metaphor of the door opening, you know, like if, as long as you're, you're looking, it'll, it'll be there. It's just, it's so true. So yeah. Uh, well, Carla, thank you so much. And uh, this has been great and uh, best of luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Do us a favor and spread the word about We Go Places by sharing our interviews with other Wildcats. If you want to search past episodes or stay current, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you can get your podcasts. Just search We Go Places. You can follow We Go Places on our Facebook page as well, and also Twitter at We Go Places Podcast. And if you know a former Wildcat who would be a great guest, send me a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or by school email at bturnbow at d94.org. Shh. <sighs>